0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast on the Youth Critic Network.
1: Carol Danvers, prodigal child of the Milky Way. Nick Fury, my favorite one-eyed man of intrigue. How goes it out there? I do know. Cold, no air, space.
2: In Marvel. The Annihilator. You took everything from me. And now I'm returning the favor.
0: podcast i'm your host kale smith joining me this week again is kyle arking from the youtube uh movie channel um or the kyle arking youtube uh channel excuse me oh hi everybody how are you doing <laughs> we, we're all doing great here we we final um so the in case you haven't been watching uh the michael man uh, podcast is now coming to a close we had the season finale last wednesday Uh we had it for Black Cat. We'll have we'll do the Ferrari episode. Well in coalition for this, you know, podcast, we'll do the Youth Critic and from the top we'll do a kind of a combination podcast for Ferrari when that movie comes out later this year after Christmas. Uh but for now, uh we uh but for now we are here to talk about a new blockbuster, a new movie. It's been a while since we've, you know, been on the show. We've last time we were here, we were here for uh Killers of the Flower Moon. Um so and now we're talking about a movie that's about half the length of Killers of the Flower Moon. So Kyle, what
2: movie are we talking about this week? Um we're talking about Martin Scorsese's favorite movie of the year. It is called The Marvels.
0: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. He loved it so much. I mean, just he called it cinema. He Did you
2: was see it- Video where he ranked it over two thousand one A Space Odyssey in his letterboxed rankings.
0: <laughs> uh no, I did I did not. But <laughs> now I'm gonna look it up. And oh yes, he ranked it even higher than the Red Shoes. He ha- ranked it higher than um, he ranked it higher than his own movie Taxi Driver. I mean, it was <laughs> just insane. Like I mean, I mean, and Goodfellas. Oh my god, like just could not compete.
2: I mean, just I really wish that Travis Bickle could have fought a flurkin in Taxi Driver like if he could have actually you know made that movie today Robert De Niro would be like hey you talking to me? and then you would see a Flurkin just attacking that is
0: and just like spin him out in Coney Island yes (laughs) be like bye have fun have fun getting a taxi home Taxi
2: Driver it probably would have saved them many of the problems they had in Taxi Drivers if they, um, you know, if a flurkin could have, you know, just ate up Jodie Foster's character and then regurgitated her. her. <laughs> yeah. Regurgitated
0: her out and be like, that's a new one. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Okay, okay, okay but yes, we are here to talk about the Marvels. It's, um, it's finally here. It was delayed uh, about a year and a half late, mm. um, you know, and, and yeah, we're just, we're finally here to talk about it. We're finally here. It's, you know, it's, we're at the end of phase five. I mean, we're just in the middle of phase five. You know, I keep forgetting we're, we're not at the end yet. Good Lord. Um, And yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, Kyle, uh, what did you think of the Marvels?
2: I have seen the Marvels twice. The um, the first time I watched the Marvels, I unfortunately went to a theater that decided not to show trailers in front of the film. How and dare they? When this happened, I was only two minutes late um, past the runtime, thinking well, that, you know... Well, that's like the core of the runtime, so... I, yeah, yeah. But, like, I was like... Well, you know, obviously I'll still have like 30 more minutes of trailers by the time I get in here and I find myself walking into the theater and the movie already started and um th- this is the first Marvel film that I, you know, walked into without seeing the opening um couple of minutes. Um so that was that was a bit jarring and I I hate uh, watching a movie without seeing like The entirety of it, and um, I only had missed like an establishing shot in the Marvel Studios, you know, opening. So, really, I didn't miss anything essentially, but I didn't know that when I was sitting in the theater. So, the first like I want to say 10 minutes of this movie, I had I, I didn't know where we were, I didn't know if maybe 10 minutes had passed. Like, I was like, you know, the scene where. Um, Kamala switches places for the first time with Monica, and she hits the um, the um, the saber station, and you see that in the trailer. She's like, "Oh my God, Nick Fury! Nick Fury! Is this an Avengers test?" And I thought that scene would, mm-hmm. you know, press into the Marvel Studios opening, but you thought that would be the pro- the prologue. Yes, and so that was a very um, unnerving experience, and I for for some reason like the opening of the film I found to be very very fast paced like it was like okay here's Kamala here's Carol here's uh Monica here's Darben like all these things happening at once so um that took me out of it at first and then um I had I had issues with the film but it wasn't like the second viewing really I think cemented my feelings towards the film and that is that I I do think like it is a really enjoyable movie. I think it is um, definitely at its strengths when it's focused on the three Marvels, that being Kamala Khan, Carol Danvers, and Monica Rambeau. Um, and I think that there were many scenes in this film that... Now I remember Nia DaCosta did an interview a number of months ago where she said, like, this movie's different from other Marvel movies. It's wacky, it's fun, and it's funny, and a lot of people kind of made fun of it being like, all Marvel movies are like that. And I can kind of see what she was going for here, because there are scenes in this film that are different from other Marvel movies. Like, we've never had a musical planet or really musical sequence Like we had... Rogers the Musical in the first
0: episode of Hawkeye. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just had to... Sorry.
2: I think... Didn't she say though? I swear, though, she said Marvel movies. And not... Oh, um, okay. But even that... If we're comparing Rogers the Musical, that was, you know, a musical within that world as opposed to this movie that is essentially bringing us to a planet of It's a musical
0: number, yes. It's a full-on, like, we stop and have a whole song and dance number.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I I think that was really creative. Um, And, like, the whole stuff with the Flurkins, I thought, was so much fun, and I think that the cast just seemed like they were having a blast making it. I don't believe a single actor in this film looked like they didn't want to be there. Um, Everyone really looked like they um, not only knew what they were doing, but were really proud of what they were doing. Um, But then again, one of my biggest issues, and I think it's what makes the film less than great for me, is the villain in Dar Ben played by Zah Ashton. And I think she does her best with what is given to her, but I found the villain to be very flat. She didn't really have as much to her, especially when they introduce her and they tell you about her backstory. I feel like she could have been fleshed out way more. We could have gotten way more into what happened to her world and how that affected her people and also how that kind of affected Captain Marvel. So there were a number of things in this movie that I think could have been fleshed out better. And I think the villain is definitely the um, the main weakness of all of this. But I think at the end of the day, I'm just happy that they nailed the relationship between Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel and Monica Rambeau. Because I think that is what's most important in this movie. And even though the villain is weak... I don't think that she's so weak that it completely draws away from your enjoyment of the film. I do think that you can watch it and still have a blast. So, yeah, I would I would say that I um, really did enjoy the Marvels. For me,
0: the I this is I keep saying I've been saying this for I think every episode we've done. Um, in terms of like we're doing a marvel movie review um the thing is i do like these i do really i've i like i'm one of those people that liked ant-man and, and the wasp a little bit more just because that first half is so good at like establishing the mystery and establishing like kang as a threat yeah and it's only when we actually meet kang and he talks like this i talk like i'm speaking in opera you know that you go oh this is oh 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 no no this is uh okay we really hit we really hit a wall here um you're not a-
2: what a modok on screen and messing everything up you're not a-
0: Modoc is uh uh what humpty dumpty but it's a robotic humpty dumpty <laughs> you know and then even funnier, he even breaks like a Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> um, so it's just like, um, yeah, we really, some people were really swinging here. And then, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is incredible. Um, and we haven't talked about Loki, and I didn't watch um, season or Secret Invasion. Um, I don't think anyone did. I think it's a kind of, I think that show is kind of a myth. I think it I don't know if it really exists. It it, it appears on Disney Plus like I can watch it, but I don't believe anyone's actually watched. I, mean, I don't believe it actually exists.
2: Um, now, I the makers of the Marvels also somewhat don't believe it exists either. Because when you watch that film aside from one reference to the ending of Secret, it it is not even, um, you know, really addressed. And the ending of Secret Invasion has a massive, like, cliffhanger in terms of the state of um, the MCU itself. Um, so, I think that... <laughs> um, I'm also confused here because when you look at the Marvels as it was delayed multiple times, it was originally supposed to release before Secret Invasion and then they made the decision to release this after secret invasion and in the secret invasion interviews they would say that was necessary because in order to understand nick fury in the marvels you have to see him in secret invasion and that just that confused me because why was it you know re- originally going to release before Secret Invasion in the first place if that was the case and I do think as I'm watching the film that maybe it was supposed to release before Secret Invasion since um, you know some of the events that happen in the film feel a little bit you know
0: like it's a lot uh, happier and Secret Invasion seems like a moody uh, mo like show
2: And also, like, what's very strange, too, is, like, if you watch the end of Far From Home, Spider-Man Far From Home, the last time that we saw Nick Fury in the MCU um, prior to Secret Invasion, like, he's on this saber station with the Skrulls, yet the Skrulls aren't on the saber station, and... If you watch WandaVision, there's a Skrull that tells Monica time to go up, you know, to space. The the guy up there wants to see you, and an old friend wants to see you. And, like, I mean, if you watch Secret Invasion, the Skrulls are on Earth, so maybe those Skrulls were relocating to Earth, but where are all the Skrulls? in this movie <laughs> in the space station really like are they, they, like are they all just like
0: pretending to be human like they're just in a human form which is which even that idea is so weird like why like the why wouldn't anyone be comfortable with be a scroll around Nick Fury he's like the ambassador
2: <laughs> cuz like it's it's interesting how like, they have these human characters i don't know any of the names of the actors but there are a couple of like, what you would call, I don't know if you say agents of Saber or agents of sword, like these these workers on this space station that you see them a couple of times with Monica at the beginning, up in space, and then they're the ones that discover the lurking and egg, and the characters, but we don't know their names, we don't know really um, anything about them, and it does make me wonder why didn't they have you know Skrulls play these roles? What like what is um what are the, what is the point of these characters in the grand scheme of things? So that is in a way similar to I think Ant Man the Wasp Quantum where like if you look at Quantum they introduce this whole like rebel faction of characters in um, mm-hmm. the film and. They feel more kind of disposable, like they brought in um oh, I forgot his name, but I think um the guy from uh, the good 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 place is william jackson harper um he like he's uh, like a lot of people were so upset because his character really didn't do anything, you know, and um I think it's the same when it comes to some of the supporting characters. In the Marvels. Because, like, if you look at Darben and her side, like, assistant, he completely disappears. After she, you know, leaves the planet, um, Aladna, like, she's all by herself. Like, all of her Cree um, soldiers, nowhere to be found. (laughs) So.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that's kind of like the thing about this movie is there's so much there's a lot of missing parts and this you can tell this movie was kind of stripped like way down to the bone like i mean almost to the point where they almost sucked out they cut out the bone marrow as well so it's so which is kind of odd like i know marvel i mean they really do like have like three four hour cuts of movies like when they you know look for their first cuts and they cut it all down to like two hours and ten or whatever but for but you, this one is just like they must have really were like let's cut this way down we'll we'll do some you know justice league level reshoots to where we can like you know fix whatever you know we can and like fill in the gaps and then just create and just make it like a fast moving movie cuz this movie is like you know we really are centered with the three characters um kamala um monica and uh, oh my god why am i forgetting the brie larson's Car- character carol excuse me <laughs> um we're, we're centered on these three women and you know in the best part of the movie and, it, and i and i think the best thing about this movie and i'm glad someone in editorial realized this it's when they're together and they're you know bonding you know they're you know they're you know They're kind of learning emotionally from each other. You know, they're, you know, Monica is having heart to heart with Carol about, you know, basically being left to deal with her mom's cancer by herself. Mm -hmm. I mean, all these things are so good. But when you like put it as a whole, you're like, we just covered a lot of ground for like an hour, 40 minute movie. um, Which is insane to think about. And... And but then you look at you know Nia Dacosta's career and all and I think every movie she's made you know so far has been less than two hours, and um. like Candyman tells like a whole movie in like ninety minutes, and then uh, Little Woods. Let me look at the exact time. Jesus, hold on. Uh, and then Little Woods, it was right it's actually the same length as this movie so 105 minutes so it's just like we're so she makes movies that are like really quick very human you get to the you know you get to the heart of it and then you're out and and i do love it and i do love it for this movie because there really is like no time to really think about anything but and i loved this movie like One of the things I do appreciate about the Marvels that I haven't really had in a while with a Marvel movie, other than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, is that, you know, the Marvel movies are really at their best when the characters are bonding, when they are just like I I really, at this point, you know, I don't care about action scenes in Marvel. They have just they just do the bare minimum. Uh, Wait, what's going on? Oh my God! Wait! Oh no! Oh my God! We're being hijacked! Someone broke in through the (laughs) multi. Holy crap! What's up? Oh my God! Who are you? Speak! Are you? Speak, Invader! I am Nick Fury. (laughs) <laughs> wait, why, why do you not sound like wait, why do you sound so different, know. Nick Fury?
2: <laughs> you're not David Hasselhoff, you're not Samuel L. Jackson, you're the other Nick Fury. Yes, oh my goodness. The other Nick Fury.
0: <laughs> Alright, who are you? I for... didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> Alright. Who are you for real and where are you from? <laughs> uh it's it's me, Marley.
1: From, oh from from the <laughs> Introduce yourself. <laughs>
0: uh how much did i miss anyway (laughs) anyway so okay marley um um well did you want to do the intro over again no fuck that (laughs) um
1: (laughs) i like how i just i i just hijacked and just derailed the podcast already
0: you're you're like Captain Marvel in this movie to uh what is it oh Kyle Kira or what is it called Ki or he, Lee? What is it? What's the place where the Cree call home? Hala. What? Hala Hala. You coming into Hala? You you come in into Hala to Hala? So you know, is that really the name Hala?
2: That's the name of the Cree planet, right?
0: Damn. Okay, Marvel. Maybe i all really should like have one more than one person like come up with all of your
2: names and stuff. The, okay, so there's Hala. There is Tarnax. Is I think it's I think it's just Tarnax. That's the name of um. That's the, the refugee squ- for the Scrolls, right? Yeah. Scroll refugee planet, and then there's the Labno, which is the name of the um, you know, the singing planet. So the Labno. Aladna.
0: Aladna, okay. Like Aladdin?
2: Yeah, yeah. Exactly like it.
0: Oh, goodness gracious.
2: But what's funny is, I mean, I don't know if... Well, this is part of the review, I guess. So I do think it's interesting how um, they're promoting this film and they're saying how we go to a lot of cool and interesting planets. They go to three and, planets. No, but, like, the only interesting one is Aladna. Like all the other ones, like I mean, Parnax is literally just, you know, a refugee place. Like there's nothing really to it. Um then they go to like some desert planet for like a second.
0: No, it's like a field. Um, like a planet like a planet field or whatever.
2: Oh yeah, that's right. Like a cornfield or
0: something. Or wheat field, excuse me.
2: Yeah. Um So they go there and then they go to like um Holla. We see hollow. So, like, uh, I wouldn't say it's misleading, but I think the thing is, is that for some reason, I don't quite understand this, they hid Aladdin from the marketing. Like, they didn't want people to know it was a musical planet. And, like, when I saw it with my friend, he was a little bit surprised, because he said, this is, like, one of the best parts of the movie, and they completely hid it from the trailers. So... I don't know if that was a good idea or a bad idea, but telling the audience that you're going to see a lot of cool and interesting planets (laughs) is all really they can say because they don't want to reveal that one of the planets is actually a planet where they sing. So, I don't know. But, um, I don't know if... We'll we'll probably get into it, but the marketing for this film has been all over the place. Well, I thought... Go ahead.
1: Like, the, I thought the like the singing and dancing was actually in the trailer because isn't there
0: like the the, the, dance, the dance the dances, is There's like a couple shots of it, but there's no mm-hmm. but the whole musical number is completely absent from all yeah. the marketing. Yeah. In fact, I mean the and I didn't think the marketing was bad for this movie. I I just don't. In fact, I would argue like the marketing like even towards the end when they just made a a trailer that was like Avengers Endgame style. Yeah. Um when like honestly I feel like the marketing was fine. It was just like there's A, they're kinda hamstrung by the strikes, which is their own fault, but you know, but you know, but still are they're they, hamstrung.
1: Where, where are they hamstrung by the by the strikes? Because the only reason why the uh, only reason for that is that the is that Amon Vellani couldn't be promoting this movie. That should but in my opinion, I don't think the actors should be a hundred percent promoting like their own movie like they should do that if they want to. It should be the distributor's like main responsibility to do that like
0: well, that's what i'm it's that it's a it's like a fraction of the problem,
1: yeah, it's like should be fifty fifty it shouldn't just be like, oh,
0: we're gonna have like the
1: actors like <laughs> do the act work in for it us. and then do all the
0: work so <laughs> I think they're kind of hamstrung by that, and then also they're kind of and also i mean there's just so much superhero fatigue like i feel like people are finally like you know and i would say which is weird because i mean both guardians of the galaxy and spider-verse did very well like they did you know they did well for what you know was expected of them and but also i would argue that the thing about the Marvels they just had going is that A, they didn't know they were going to have an IMAX release till like five weeks ago. Mm. And also, uh, which was also, and they crammed themselves between Dune and The Hunger Games, which, has anyone heard of any tracking yet for Hunger Games
2: yet? Uh, it's tracking for like a hundred million worldwide. Oh, really? Which is not good. <laughs>
0: No, it's not. that's worse than this movie. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. What the, wh- where is everybody going? Where is everybody going to the What is, is there like a new hobby or uh, new inflation, thing? Inflation. Oh.
1: Inflation and also just people just don't have time anymore from yeah. from the people that I talk to within my circles. People just don't have time to like go to the movies anymore. I think anymore, you- but they have time sad.
0: to go watch Five Nights at Freddy's on opening weekend. Well that's a bunch of kids.
2: I think right. you really need Five to Nights
1: at get... Freddy's was just like a like that's like a babysitter for like the kids.
2: Yeah. I was really like a kid to that. Oh, anyway, sorry Kyle. Go, go ahead. You you really need the audience to get themselves interested. Like I was talking to a friend of mine that was like when Barbie and Oppenheimer came out, like you had to see Barbie. You had to see Oppenheimer. That was it's like the Barbenheimer effect. Yeah, it was a Barbenheimer cultural moment. And mm-hmm. what the audiences, I think, are having trouble with right now, and I, I don't think it's superhero f- fatigue. I think the issue right now is you need to make the movies that are being released appealing to the audience going to see them. And it goes for all these movies, like Hunger Games. It goes for all these like big budget films because... I think like some of it is also you know people becoming more mindful of how they're spending their money. I mean the movie prices are going up, but we're also dealing with um, films that you know aren't exactly films that I think people or one the strike is I think a factor in it. Um, I do think with the Marvels that was a very interesting case because. I think because the stars themselves couldn't promote the film, the marketing started to focus away from the stars, and it started to focus on Avengers Endgame. And if we look at the way that it started out, which it was a normal way to start out the Marvel's marketing, where it's like, you know, this is the movie, I I thought the trailers were perfectly fine, but the last trailer they released with Avengers endgame references, it opens up with Tony Stark and Captain America. You're talking about Marvel's first female, you know, led ensemble film. And in your trailer You show you the are sh- You're showcasing like the two founding men of the franchise. Now they do show you, you know, all the women um, in Endgame teaming up. But, I mean, then you have Thanos in the trailer saying how, you know, there will be more to finish, um, you know, my work. And it just, I feel like that, t- it takes away from Carol, it takes away from Kamala, and it takes away from Monica, which is something that I feel wouldn't have happened if you had Brie and Amon and Teona out to promote the film, and I think that was really unfortunate, because what we started to see near the end of the marketing, because I still think, I think the beginning was perfectly fine, but the end of the marketing, it started to become, I think, less about the Marvels and more about, hey, remember the Avengers? Remember Iron Man? Remember Captain America? Remember Thanos? Oh boy, you gotta see member me, berries,
0: Marvel.
2: member Avengers, <laughs> <laughs> member
1: berries. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: I didn't, I, I didn't see uh, the only trailer that I seen was the was that first trailer because that yeah. played on repeat pretty much in front of everything. So that was that's very unfortunate that they basically sidelined the female, like the female characters for the the. The men characters that we all that that we all already know, which is that's that's very unfortunate, and but they're I think, dead, So,
2: yeah, exactly. Birds of prey like began with Batman and Superman. Like the uh, imagine if a Birds of Prey trailer began with Henry Cavill being like, you know, <laughs> I mean, maybe um they could have found a way to have like Harley Quinn do a vote voiceover or something, but. It does not feel right. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think
1: that also has like a, had a, a factor in how this movie performed. But also, I think Disney has just kind of shot themselves in the foot mm-hmm. by just releasing these movies on Disney Plus because yes. from, once again, like from, from the people that I talk to in my circle. Like I say that I'm going to see the Marvels, and they're like, "Oh, they're like, oh, why are you seeing the opening weekend? It's just going to be on yeah. Disney Plus in like four four weeks." So, uh, yeah. I feel like Disney has trained people to just wait, to, to wait it out and just watch, but especially off after like the disaster of Ant Man Quantumania. because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people felt burned after that, and and Secret Invasion as well. So, people don't really. That, like normal people don't re- really need to go out to the theater anymore to see like a like a big MCU movie anymore which is very unfortunate because like i i did really like the marvels like a, like a lot uh, but i do kind of feel like i'm aging out of it a little bit but we'll get into it but
0: <laughs> for me and i kind of agree with that like for me it's i enjoyed it quite a lot too i felt like and this was the one so other than loki season two i felt like kind of this year was like i'm tapping out like i'm gonna tap out this year i like loki I'm, i'll am i see loki season two and i'll see this movie and i'll see guardians of the galaxy volume three you know because after ant-man i was like i don't really care about kang especially if jonathan majors is gonna I'm going to portray Kang like this. You know, I I already did the voice, but it's worth repeating, like just how bad it is. Um, Like if we're gonna just do that, and then of course, you know, everything with Jonathan Majors has come out, and uh, I guess that's not gonna happen anymore. So, um, but no, for but for me, it's like. The thing was, I really wanted to see this, and also I was seeing it more—not even because of a—I'm Mar- a Marvel stan, but it's—I want to see a Nia DaCosta movie. I want to see a—I want to see you know, um, Carol Danvers. I want to see you know, Brie Larson play that character. I want to see these other three care—you know—actresses, and you know, I want to see all these people in this movie. Like, it's like a great cast, great director. She's co-writing the script. You know, and I mean, the premise is rock solid. It's like multi dimension. It's like you know, multiversal hijinks. You know, it's it's the culmination. It's like you know, it's just like we're gonna have some fun with like these three women, and uh, just seeing them, you know, f- you know, fight a bad guy. Like it, it felt like you know, it's the ultimate team up. Yeah, it's it felt but... like yeah, it feels like a comic, you know, collab like. It feels like an a- absolute collision, and you know, coming together.
1: Yeah, I, I was I was totally down for the ultimate team up just because I love Miss Marvel. I think uh, Amon Vellani, she's an absolute star. She really shows she steals the show, in in my opinion, for 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 this movie. And mm-hmm. then, I I, I don't want to like bring down Cap like Captain Marvel because I haven't seen that movie since it initially came out. I remember liking it to an, to an extent. I f- feel like people trash it a little bit too hard. Uh, and then I love uh, Tiana Terrace, uh, Monica Rambeau from WandaVision. So it's basically all these characters that I love coming together. And I feel like for the first two acts, you get you get like that team up that you wanted the after like i feel like the third act kind of falls a little bit on its face a little bit mm-hmm. and i i, I got it i this this is where i kind of felt like i was i am I feel like i'm aging out of marvel where i didn't really know what was going on at that point i kind of checked out a little bit <laughs> and i did and, and i'm not sure if i <laughs> like i'm not sure if i knew like i knew what was going on i was just was it was just kind of confused
0: yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. i mean when um Darbin um just started to do her own thing that led to her demise which I feel okay spoiling because we're I mean if you haven't seen the movie you know you're not going to see it You're or you're just going to wait you know whatever and it's going to be like two more months before you can see it anyway so when Darbin like starts doing things that like lead to her death and it, and it just happens within like 30 seconds it's just like oh uh, okay bye bye it's nice seeing you um nice i guess oh we didn't really know you so we i can't say it was nice knowing you um so so it's one of those things where you're just like yeah i don't the third act i mean i understood everything was going on it was just a very anticlimactic, for the exception of there are some really nice shots of like when monica like it has been like you know she's closed the seal and it's just Captain Marvel in the void of space. Like, it's really... There's some good shots there, like, exemplifying, like, her... Now she's fully alone because she has no... She doesn't have a Rambo. She doesn't really have anybody else. So, to really be... Of her past, to really, like, cling on to. Like, she has no one... She's no no one of her... None of her, like, found family to really cling on to anymore. Excuse me. So uh so i mean there's stuff i like about it and there's stuff i love all throughout the movie i mean the song and dance the what are they called the Florkins? you said kyle the Florkins. yeah you know chasing all the crew member <laughs> crew members to like you know suck them in and then you know suck them back out i mean i i love the line where it's just like let the cats eat you let the cats eat. yeah you. <laughs> the cats i love that <laughs> oh i just love it and it's set to memory uh yeah I mean this and, and it's the stuff that like Marvel is so known for. They're just so known for just like the zany comic book. I mean just zany like just the zany ideas like and it's been a while since we've had one of those where it's just like we just have a zany idea happen. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I was just so happy. I was I was I was happy. I, I was crying laughing so hard.
2: I think it's nice to see that um, this is something that I think James Gunn became really known for with the MCU with what he could bring to, you know, the zaniness and the wackiness of his films. It's really nice to see um, Nia DaCosta get a chance for this because, I mean, we we cannot bury the lead because, I mean, with all the articles that came out with... um, this movie and its underperformance at the box office, we still have to state that Nia DaCosta is um, the highest grossing black um, female director at the box office right now, at least. But, or was it for an opening? I think she scored like the highest opening.
1: It was for Candyman, right? Oh, for this Wasn't movie.
0: But,
2: but this movie, because this movie oh. made um, I thought
1: Candyman actually did pretty well at the box office. It did. Um,
0: it did, yeah. but it did not. Yeah, it definitely did not um, reach the heights because the total box office is seventy-seven million worldwide.
1: Okay, all right. Never mind. It's really
2: nice to see because when it comes to um, Nia Dacosta, like I think she's a really talented director. I mean, I've only seen the Marvels and Candyman, but I really enjoyed Candyman. Um, so. I think so far from what I've seen, she's two for two for me. Um, though, I mean, of course, it's it's debated on how much of it was her and say how much of it was also Marvel's um, input because, once again, I do think that some of the scenes in this movie feel, you know, more so just Marvel um, giving us, you know, a standard, you know, weak villain, underdeveloped villain with a... Um, underdeveloped backstory, and it's just, it's a shame, because I do think that the stuff with the Marvels themselves is so strong that it does balance it out for it to be, you know, um, you know, a, a really good movie, but at the same time, it could have been so much better if the villain was, you know, a better villain, it is funny to me, though, because I do think back to Guardians of the Galaxy 1, because that is also a film that had a Kree um, villain with a, um, as as Carol calls it, a universal weapon. But as Kamala names it, it's in the comics, the Cosmorod. And um, I do find it funny how these are like two of the most underdeveloped villains in the science fiction-like fantasy films that are about this team on a spaceship traveling the galaxy. <laughs> so uh, I do, I think that Nia DaCosta, um, like James Gunn in the first Guardians does a great job with the, like the protagonists of the film. But when it comes to those um, antagonists, um, she, I mean, Darben could use a lot more work. I, I do want to talk about, cause Marley brought up Aman Villani. I, wholeheartedly agree she not only steals the show she's like the heart and soul of this movie and it's really amazing that this is like her first film because i mean you can say that she had experience with miss marvel which was an mcu series but they kind of shoot those like movies anyway but i still say like being her first film I want to give her credit because, like, this is something that is not easy to do. Um, We've seen many, you know, actors stumble when it comes to their introductions, and I think what really works with her is that, like, sometimes you've had characters in these films that can come across as annoying. They're like, "Oh, that that young kid after." I've seen some criticism be thrown towards them. Like they act like Disney channel actors or this or that. And I think that Amon like is leaps and bounds, like jumping over these stereotypes when it comes to these young actors working, because like, she is, she's really good. And I think that one of my favorite scenes, well, there's a couple of favorite scenes that she's, um, she has in the movie. Like one of my favorite scenes is when, she after she switches with carol and monica like she comes back to the house and they're like oh your friend oh her mother's like your friend captain marvel was here and you just see her face and she's like captain marvel was in my (laughs) in my room and like it's so adorable i mean you just love this character already um so, like, yeah, she steals the show. I think that this is Brie Larson's best performance as Captain Marvel. I, I've I've liked her in every film she's appeared in as Captain Marvel, but I think with the state of Captain Marvel in this movie and how she's knowing more and more about herself, um, it also helps Brie's performance, because I think she's also learning more and more about how she plays this character, and she feels more comfortable with this character, so... I um really thought her performance was strong, and also Teona Paris as uh, Monica. She was great in Wandavision. And I think she's also great here. So I think they're really good. They have great chemistry with each other. I love the scene when they're trying to figure out their powers and they're trying to jump rope. And I mean that. Like I, I wish that if this was a just world, we would get like ten more Marvel movies like with these three, like the Marvels. Sequels, but because of you know all the different Marvel movies out there, they can't really do that box office wise. But I would I would watch like ten more of these with just them because I just think they're so entertaining.
1: Well, and just adding on to what you said about like Amon Volani is I I think what makes her so likable too is like she she grew up cosplaying as yeah. Kamala Khan and to see her actually kind of like play Kamala Khan like in the MCU is is really like heartening to like see for, from like a, as like a viewer or as a fan and also like like she's kind of like playing like the audience surrogate as well where she how how she's reacting to like oh captain marvel was in my room and she was like all all excited it's kind of like how it like the response to like the audience has to Uh, to everything that's going on how she's just kind of like like peeling back peeling back the layers and kind of and uh uncovering everything and being like over uh, overwhelmed and overjoyed with everything that was that's going on i I think that's something that's kind of sore that's sorely been needed in marvel because marvel has just been completely dire recently with like Guardians of the Galaxy three being with the whole Rocket Raccoon stuff. No spoilers for that, but that that's not a very happy happy stuff happens We're there.
2: Mm-hmm. In that and movie, like can... invasion
1: as well. So
0: yeah, I mean, and then oh, well, I was gonna say, I mean, in that movie, you kind of have to go through. It's kind of it's like Paradise Lost. You have to go through the you have to go through the path like laden by hell to get to happiness or paradise. Mm-hmm and then you're right secret invasion is very moody it's a spy thriller and then uh loki season two is even you know it has like a lot of fun moments but it's also like its finale is very you know it's a drama like it's a full no. you know existential drama mm-hmm. so it's nice
1: having like the Marvels come back and just be like kind of like Happy.
0: Breezy, fun. Yay! Yeah, (laughs) Everybody get hugs. We give hugs. Right.
2: Yeah. I really do like the vibe of this film because it's, like, I like to think of it as a comfort movie. Like, you go to see it, it's a breezy watch, it's not that long. And most of the time it is just, you know, a blast to watch. For a couple of scenes where it gets heavy, like the scene when you see Maria monica's mother and talking to carol about you know um well she she's she had cancer and then she um Pass. is going to mission and it's like it's it's that's a heavy scene but they kind of like gloss over it because monica's at a state in her life where she doesn't want to deal with that now so that is something that I think that they did a really good job on because you got to be careful with um, the shifting of tones when it comes to these movies. Um, I think that this balances its tone really well. It doesn't, it never feels, you know, I mean, it, it will feel funny a lot of times, but it never feels too funny to the point where, you know, a serious moment isn't taken for granted or a uh, a funny moment isn't taken for granted when there is a um, really serious moment happening. So mm-hmm. I think that Nia DaCosta actually does a really good job with that. And I also think that, um, like once again, going back to Amon Valani, she's really good when it comes to reacting to other actors. Because when mm-hmm. we see these other scenes, like there's this one great scene where... Um, well, there's a lot of them, but one of the ones I'm thinking of now is when, like, she she looks up to Carol and she's like, "Oh, wait, wait, um, now, now I'm gonna, I should treat you like a, a real human at this point," and like that is something I think that Amon Villani herself has gone through. Like, I read an interview where she said that a lot of these actors that she's looked up and um, admired, she always makes the point of like their legs. where she's like i'm actually seeing their legs like they are actually in front of me and i can it's no longer you know me just seeing them on a screen like they're physically there and it's like marley you mentioned like she is the audience and that is i think what we can connect so well with and um I think it's going to help in the future with this movie because I think that people going back to watch it, even people going back to watch it that may have never watched an MCU movie before, they can watch this film and be like, this is kind of like a, I don't know, a last action hero or some other film where a character meets their hero, their role model. And I really like that. I think that adds for a really fun element of the film
0: Mm -hmm. exactly you know and the thing too about this movie is is that you know there's you know we we've mentioned before marley show uh hijacked us uh that nick fury you know nick fury's in this movie and you know and he and kyle says he's different i think you're implying that he was different from his character in secret invasion and my kind of interpretation is he has changed a little bit like in the time i mean he's very much like polar opposites yeah <laughs> well i don't know from secret invasion but just like he's very different from like at least phase one <laughs> nick fury mm-hmm. like he's very less in control like nick fury you know in phase one and two and then phase three he just kind of checked out um but in phase three he's but in this movie he's so like out of control like he's like panicking he's just like like he's not really he's not really the cool person and this is not criticism i i'm just like pointing this out like it's so funny like nick fury there's it's just like yeah no please keep praying i i don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> We're we're in a we're in a mo- we're in a moving ship in space with a bunch Amen. of cats. Amen. <laughs> hey, like I mean, I mean, you're just evacuating I, I, the the space station. You've been through harrier or, situations, or, or,
1: or just Nick Fury just experiencing like all like the three women just switching places, and he's just like, "Who are you?" <laughs> just like, who? Yeah. He's just going insane. Like which. Uh, which by the way i feel like that's probably one of my favorite like action scenes in the entire movie like when um, they're going back and forth in like between um uh Kamala Khan's like house and she's yeah. Carol Danvers is just uh popping in and just saying hi to like Kamala Khan's like family but one issue i have about that is like they absolutely destroy their house like their house is destroyed so- and they're like Instead of, like, instead of just, like, I don't know, like, having, like, getting, like, some government, like, like, uh, subsidies to, like, fix, like, their house, they're like, oh, we'll just bring you to
2: Louisiana.
1: Just randomly oh. in Lu- <laughs> like- No,
2: no, 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 they're not, they're not moving in there. Carol's moving in there. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay I got well, great, Carol. Peace. It's
0: good that you now have a home. But What are we supposed to do? <laughs> They yeah, most... exactly. <laughs> also, wait, Carol, why did you ask a bunch of people from New Jersey to come to Louisiana to help you move? Like, you know, that's math like I mean um,
2: Honestly, the way that the movie works in terms of like travel, um Carol can literally cross galaxies in 2 minutes mm-hmm. because like I don't get how she got from Earth To Tarnax in like five minutes because from the point where she like switches places back to New Jersey, yeah. I think with Monica, like, I I don't get how that works. (laughs) Um, That's one of those things where I'm like, okay, comic book movie, um, you know, crazy comic book movie, I just have to. I, I just have to think of a way for... Am, am I canon Valkyrie center there? Like, it's... Like, I just don't know at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah, Valkyrie. Tessa Thompson is in this
0: movie for, like, a minute, you know? And Little, it, her scene... Go, go ahead, Kyle. A Little Woods reunion. It is. And and what's interesting... And here's the thing. Like, what she says, like, she's here to give, like, some wisdom after, you know... She screwed up, like, or after they screwed up their like mission, um, and it's like it's all good and all, but it's like, wait, did they just have Tessa Thompson literally like just pop in, just to give like some words of wisdom and then just peace out, like, just-
1: <laughs> She finished uh, filming Love and Thunder, and she's just like, oh, I'll just pop into the Marvel set. Yeah, <laughs> part of me
2: does feel like it is. A bit of a, I don't know if I'd say an apology, but a like, I don't know, like them trying to make things right after Love and Thunder because back in two thousand. Use your
1: words carefully, Kyle.
2: <laughs> back, well, back in two thousand nineteen, when they essentially just revealed the Phase Four plans. And phase five that we didn't quite know of at the time, but the um phase four plans and they revealed Love and Thunder. But, um Tessa Thompson came on stage and she was like, Okay, well, you know, she's gonna be the queen of Asgard of New Asgard or or no, um she's she's gonna be the king of um New Asgard. And she's gonna search
0: for her queen.
2: Everyone's um every king needs a queen and and we didn't get that. We did not get that in Love and Thunder. And I do wonder if her appearance in this movie was somewhat teasing that Carol would be her queen. And, of course, there's a lot of shipping going on on the social media. But like, just recently? C- or... Throughout the years, and Tessa Thompson and Brie Larson have been very vocal on um, (laughs) shipping both Valkyrie and Captain Marvel. Like they've even, I think, shared fan art and that. So, I like in my eyes, in my mind, I see like I see them as a thing. (laughs) I see um, Carol and Valkyrie as the new MCU um couple and I don't I want to see them again together um ruling New Asgard though I mean in that in that case she would have gone to New Asgard <laughs> and stayed with Valkyrie instead of moving to Louisiana but she wants to be with Monica um or well, at least in in spirit and her mother so um but who knows maybe Valkyrie will come down and be like hey Carol um, but yeah, that's why I, that's my theory on why she's you there. You mean Valkyrie because, come down to Louisiana and be like, hey, let's hang out in the bayou. Yeah, like, I, I think that's why she might be in this film. I mean, also, she's also good friends with Nia DaCosta. And they're making believe, a movie together. I I believe, like, Nia DaCosta well, at least maybe help get this job with Tessa Thompson being like, um, like, vouching for um nita costa but i might be i might not be right on that i don't
0: know exactly but i know like when she was hired there was a lot of buzz on even before Candyman came out like, there was a lot of buzz like coming out of like the trailer and also test greetings mm-hmm. so i think i think there was just a lot of buzz and so she, she appeared instantly on marvel's radar and was like oh we want you to work with us somehow and and by serendipitous like she got onto the Marvels, kind of like in the same way that like um um uh balakadali uh for miss marvel uh joined you know joined marvel after bad or bad boys for life um justin benson and aaron moorhead for um you know they they they've been they're they're now kind of like setting themselves up as like the de facto directors for marvel because now they've went from moon knight this uh or uh, not this uh loki season two and they're now working on ba- basically remaking daredevil um and aren't they being um eyed for secret wars as well i think that's still like and Kyle, maybe you know more about it than I do, but like I think that's still just like rumors. They're just like talking about it, like just circling mm-hmm. it, just because a they don't have a Secret Wars doesn't have a director yet, and, and Kang Dynasty just lost their director too. I think that movie's yeah. just getting canceled, I, like, or it's if anything that it'll just get repurposed. Right. Um, well, I
2: think the other day they reviewed Moorhead and Benson, and they were like, oh. We'd, I think they said we'd love to do, um, Secret Wars or um, one of the Avengers films. So I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if, if they do it because, like, it's it's kind of funny how like you had the Russos do the Avengers films and now you're gonna have two other guys <laughs> do them. It's Dulo. like, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. It'd be interesting, though, because Loki does have to deal with Kang way more than Shang-Chi did. Um, so to get those guys onto Kang Dynasty wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, but as Kale said, we don't know what's going on with Kang Dynasty, um...
0: I mean they've lost their writer months ago and their director just finally like left the project. And I don't know, I'm just kind of like reading I, it just I I just feel like I'm kind of reading the room where I'm like yeah, they're probably either going to just like the I think the last time we'll see Kang is in Loki season 2. And I'm okay with that because they basically kind of wrote Kang out of the entire MCU basically with the Loki season 2 not not to spoil the spoilers this season, not to s- spoilers uh, <laughs> i didn't finish <laughs> um well this is a mild spoiler like I, i'm not describing the co- where are you at by the way marley in the look uh episode three. <laughs> Oh, okay um yeah. Kyle, just stop it's, me wait. this um,
1: I I knew he was gonna be in it. I knew he was he was in the last one.
0: No. Well, hold on. Okay, mild spoiler. <laughs> just mild spoiler for Loki season two. It's and I'm not gonna refer to any event. Kyle, you can tell me if this is too much, but I think I've worded I can word it in a way where it Loki season two kind of has written themselves into a situation where you know, they could... You could possibly see where they kind of just ignore the Kang dynasty. Does that make sense, Kyle? Is that too spoilery? They they
2: essentially... They... I mean, if you look at Loki Season 1 and how Loki Season 1 teed up Kang as this, you know... Um, villain that is going to need to be stopped, and the variants are going to need to be stopped in the future projects. Loki Season 2 essentially is like, that's possible, but, you know, we could very well shift gears if we want to. Um, though I don't even know if that was like, I don't know if that was the thing as a result of all the King you know, aftermath.
1: majors and.
2: It might have been a plan from the beginning, like according to them, um, when they were doing interviews, like Loki went the way that we we want it to go. So um, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But I mean, I will say like one thing with the Marvels itself is that it's a movie that, once again, like as much as I love the MCU. The- they are not giving us answers. All they are giving us
0: are questions. Well, they're just giving and... us possible stories. Like here, like, yes, you can go. You can take this story. You here's a possible. It's like they're throwing spaghetti on the wall. I mean, it it,
2: it,
1: it, it honestly feels like a D anD D campaign at this point. Yes, where they're just like where they're basically like, well, this is a
0: possibility. <laughs> like, if we want to get, do we want to get into the post credit scene? for the well, hold on I, let me add yeah. to your point about the D&D thing though Marlon. before okay. we get to that let me add to your okay. point it's like a DD campaign but it's like if someone didn't finish the D&D campaign and they start a new D&D campaign mm-hmm. you know and so you're just like wait a minute and if you're someone like that goes like every like every other monday not every monday and you're like wait when did we change the story wait should i have changed my character's name like should i like, wait, what just happened? Why are we now in a winter setting? I thought we were in a spring setting last time. Like, what happened? Like, uh, why are we in the dinosaur era? I thought we were. In the, I thought we were in the future.
2: I, I mean, when it comes to end credit scenes, when we look at like the past MCU phases, like like the end credit scenes themselves would bleed into each other. So, like in the end credit scene of Thor, you see Loki. And he sees the Tesseract, and then when you get to the Avengers, Loki is after the Tesseract. When you see, um, Thor: The Dark World, they have the Ether and they lock it up with the Collector, who is then in Guardians of the Galaxy. So you have these like connecting threads that go throughout each post-credit scene and each other movie. But what's been happening? since the beginning of Phase 4 is that we've been seeing these end-credit scenes. I think well, some of them are exceptions. So, like, if you look at Black Widow, the Black Widow end-credit scene goes flows directly into Hawkeye. But there are other end-credit scenes, like the Eternals end-credit scene, where Harry Styles appears <laughs> as Star Fox, and we don't know where he is. There's the end-credit scene of um, you know, uh well, I want to go back, like Doctor Strange, and you see Charlie Theron come in. Like, where are they? Like, there's a lot of these end like that- Was it uh
1: was it Thor four Thor four with um Hercules Her- Love and Thunder? Yes, or, uh, Which is the, the biggest? Uh, like, uh, Brett Goldstein. <laughs> Brett Goldstein yeah. is Hercules.
0: Which is like the biggest? Like question mark? Like what 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 does her? why do we need hercules in this universe now like like what like wait because <laughs> brett goldstein demanded he
1: be in an mcu movie which uh which getting, go uh, ahead well i go mean <laughs> you know what
0: like but which is so weird like brett goldstein is such a talented actor and writer like why i get that but it's like you why hercules like why not be part of the fantastic 4 or like um uh, why not be in like a Captain Mark, like a Captain America movie or something? I don't know. It just felt like that. Felt like such a like. Oh, they clearly thought this was gonna keep going, like the Fast right. and Furious franchise or something.
1: <laughs> Only one franchise can keep going like <laughs> <laughs> Um, they. But it, it's it's funny because you like like all of the post credit scenes like you mentioned Kyle are like setting up other characters that aren't necessarily connected it's introducing these characters to like a wider audience but the post credit scene for the marvels yeah calls back to call, calls back to a character that no one really expected would show up like i didn't expect it would show up right and which character is that uh kelsey
0: grammers uh <laughs> oh man beast you know what yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and say it this is gonna be is a piece of shit
1: what kelsey Gr- kelsey Grammer is a piece of shit oh wait were you gonna say that
0: no 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 no, no. i was gonna <laughs> just, no this is gonna be sacrilege i think the cgi i like the cgi look <gasps> oh my god I actually it doesn't. I'm I rejecting rejecting like, us. I will I'm say the like- set, the voice is kind of disembodied. It doesn't quite connect to like the movements and stuff, which kind of leads me to think this was like a last minute like like oh totally yeah this happened like maybe a month ago. <laughs> um, so like, but I mean. I do like the design of it. Like it does, like actually look like Beast. Like all of the X Men movies. I don't know if this is because Kelsey Grammer is short or whatnot, but all the Beast move. Every time I've seen Beast in Kelsey Grammer form, it's always like some short guy. It it looks like the what Wolverine should look like. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel sorry for Nicholas Holt,
1: to be honest, because he could he could have been in in that position instead of. Horrible person, Kelsey Grammer. Yeah,
2: we'll we'll see. He's just problematic. That's just my well, opinion, but it's just. <laughs> see, the thing though is, like, there's a lot of things to um, talk about when it comes to the end credits scene because I- I'm I'm believing the fact that this is the same beast from, you know, the Fox universe. Oh, definitely! Um, X Men:
1: The Last Stand, everyone's favorite X Men movie.
0: Well, he's also Marley in Days of Future Past. Yeah, Um, I I
2: think it's Days of Future Past because um, they do mention Charles, and I think that that this is Days of Future Past timeline. Um, Because, I mean, honestly, (laughs) there have been so many changes in the Fox universe that a CGI beast at this point isn't really that far out. (laughs) Like, I mean, they literally had, um, like multiple different after changes. Um, Lee of Shriver was, um, saber tooth at one point. Like, so yes, I think that this is a days of future past thing. um, but which means if
0: monica doesn't bail out in like five or six years she's also gonna get like horribly murdered by charles accidentally because of his like, <laughs> dementia <laughs> well
2: i mean that is that's a different timeline than days of future past no it's the same one i will no, already it's, not.
0: it's the same one i can because it only takes place a few years apart and i mean i know like people are very i know like people have that theory but I mean, it's not James- that far fetched that in five years Charles gets like dementia and then just like kills everybody like in a year or two and then they just have to go on the run. I mean, but now I haven't okay. seen
1: those movies in years. Like, should it be time for a retrospective
0: for like all, for the X Men movies? Well, this problem, Marley, like, we'll talk about problematic fi- figures um well, yeah okay. never mind we, <laughs> no. i would love marley i would love to do uh, a retrospective on the x-men franchise i i don't know if i'm ready to cross that cross that bow yet uh, brian singer and brett ratner a combination <laughs> yeah and then matthew vaughn is also making his weird statements about how he would remake star wars i'm like please, yeah i mean not, not... Ma- matthew vaughn is just unhinged yeah like it's like really. Well, I'm James fine Mangold. with Matthew Bond at this point. <laughs> it's like James Mangold and Gavin Hood are like, um, like okay people. <laughs> and oh, and then I guess all the other directors that have worked on like Deadpool and uh, New Mutant Tim Story, Josh, Tim Story. Simon Kimberg. Wait, did, did, but, I, did,
1: did he direct Deadpool? Tim's, Tim's Tim Miller. No, he. Oh yeah, Tim Miller, not Tim Story. Oof. Tim
2: for director, <laughs> but. I think the thing, though, is that now we're talking about, like, I, I th- we're going to see Patrick Stewart again as um, Professor X. Oh, yeah. And we're probably going to see Ian McKellen back as Magneto. Even though, like, Ian McKellen did an interview a couple months ago where he, he asked him, how many more years do you plan on acting for? And he says, well, I don't have that many years left alive, or something like that. And I'm like, Ian McKellen, no. <laughs> like, I mean he is old. Like Yeah. I mean I'm not trying so, to be an ass, but um I think I think Secret Wars is going to be the last time we see these, you know, these characters, these actors playing these characters. So I think that I think it's smart to not go with like Nicholas Holt, not go with um James McAvoy or Fastbender because then it would be kind of like... You, because then you'd have to go with Sophie Turner as Jean Grey, then you have to go with, you know...
0: Well, that is rumored that she is in the movie, in Deadpool 3, so...
2: Oh, boy. Whoa.
0: <laughs> well, it's it's like a different X-Men characters are going to be in Deadpool 3. It's not just, you know, Logan. Uh, it's going <laughs> to be different ones. I have Whoa. my
1: own theories about Deadpool 3. Uh, I,
0: I, I, I think we can right, save yeah. that for some other podcast. We'll before. save it. We'll wait about eight more months and then we'll talk about it on Deadpool 3. Are we going to
2: yeah. see and Sophie Turner in the same scene together? Oh my god. You know what? Why not? Just
0: like, does everybody get weird? I mean, that's what I want these movies to be. Like these multiverse movies, they're not weird enough. They're not, you know, and then the one time they get kind of weird, you know, with Ant-Man and Quantumania with like the blob guy, everyone's like freaking out. <laughs> Everyone checks well, out.
1: <laughs> I heard like a really interesting uh point about the Marvels uh is that it feels like the Marvels did everything that Ant-Man Quantumania was trying to do. Mm.
0: Trying it's to be It's better weird. directed. It's better like I mean, and like believe it or not, they how do you pronounce the name? Sorry, I'm sorry. Za Ashton. Yeah. She's a much better, she gives a much better performance here than Jonathan Majors does. Mm. I, I'm, and I look, I have to be careful what I say. Jonathan Majors is allegedly a bad person, but, and I do, but I do like him as an act but I've liked his performances as an actor there. Um, but in Ant Man and Quantumania, he really is bad. And it could be just the direction. Because he's also like the same thing in Loki season two where Victor Timely also is like, I also talk like this. So I don't know if like that's just, I don't know if that's the direction they just decided to go with, but it's the worst kind of direction. I think, I don't want
1: to turn this into an Ant-Man quantumania. (laughs) Yeah, we did that 10 months ago. Go ahead. But but I think the issue with, with that movie is that they shouldn't have filmed entirely on the volume. Like, the, the, you could have done it all practical effects and still made it look like you're, like, in the quantum realm. It's just, I feel like that kind of brought down, like, the acting performances as well. So I can't really blame Jonathan Majors for, like, his performance or anyone's performance in that, because it would be very off-putting. And also just, like... The
0: visual effects people just being overworked
1: and like on that film probably, most likely is what
0: happened yeah oh yeah most certainly and even this movie like they had to literally like come in they literally had to you know go from Ant-Man to this movie and that's why mm-hmm. they got pushed again because this was supposed to come out the end of July this was supposed to come out the week after Barbenheimer could you imagine this being like this movie would have been DOA even more DOA than it is now. Like just like after the Marvels, everyone's such a on a high on Barbenheimer and then they have to, <laughs> and then they gotta go to the Marvels. So it's just like, yeah, I don't I, I Might don't have actually
1: right. done it a little bit better, I think. Because right
2: now it's competing with Taylor Swift. So More people were going to the movies then too, like mm-hmm. They might have been like, "Hey, let's go back to the movies next week to see the Marvels." Whereas, um, I can't now. Like, let's wait till Disney Plus. <laughs> well, I
0: can't argue with that. Only just because the only other thing is because I would have thrown in about the Haunted Mansion, but then again, Haunted Mansion's biggest mistake is not coming out in October. Like that's the bit, or or at least like this time of year. Like that's the biggest mistake that movie made um so but uh, i mean you guys are probably right i'm just like i don't know like barbenheimer like this the the reaction was so loud that it kind of was hard for something to really break through yeah and we had a lot of good movies that still came out in august you know like teenage mutant ninja turtles uh, mutant mayhem we had blue beetle um, um blue beetle that did just as bad at the box office,
1: probably worse, I think. Which is sad. I like the beetle.
2: When did um When did Gran Turismo, based on an actual true story inspired <laughs> by a real true story, uh, the motion picture come out?
1: I like that you use the full title,
2: Kyle. <laughs> I think they changed it. I, I think they added another like five words on the. Uh, <laughs> Grand Gran Turismo:
0: Live, Die, Repeat. <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow, based on a true story, the motion picture by PlayStation.
1: Neil Blomkamp's Blom
0: Resurgence. <laughs> Neil Blom Kemp's, uh Gran Turismo. Live, Die, Repeat. Edge of Tomorrow, uh, based on a true story, the motion picture.
2: Yeah, I, I w- this, this is why I love Marvels. Short and
0: sweet, you know. Like yes, yes the Marvels. We're here this season. Mar- it- we're is here this it-
1: year. The Marvels. We're in and we're out. No two-hour, two, no three-hour movie, no
2: four-hour movie, just... But is the Marvels the shortest title the MCU had? Like, no. Uh, four. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's the shortest title the MCU has had in a while, I think. Um... Or Black Widow. To, um, like,
0: no, that's... Eternals is... The Eternals, but, is it Eternals? Yeah, it's just Eternals. Eternals. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. it's like Shang-Chi
2: and the Legend of the Ten Rings <laughs> yeah.
0: Shang-Chi, the Legend of the Ten Rings Iron the Man? motion picture based on a true story lived I repeat
2: <laughs> <laughs> Zanetiki, New York <laughs> Um, uh. being John Malkovich but going back to the end scene I I love that um, Maria was there because like, she is essentially now like the in the comics, it's like Carol Danvers somehow interacts with Rogue, and Rogue takes her powers, takes her memory, and then Carol becomes Binary, this other like version of Captain Marvel. And she wears this white suit, and that's what Maria is wearing. I think they even refer to her as Binary in um, the end credit scene, so... And she also she becomes a part of the X Men. So now you have Maria Rambeau as a Captain Marvel in the X Men, which I believe is the Fox X Men universe. Um, I think that's I think that's really cool, and it's going to give a lot more I think depth to their relationship because that was something that I wanted a little bit more of in this movie. I wanted to see a little bit more. Of Monica and her mother, and how that worked out. Like, I would have loved to see like a flashback um, of her and her mother together. Um, But I think that they might be setting that up more for her next appearance. I don't know where that will be. Will it be in Deadpool three? Will it be in um, um, like a Kang Dynasty Secret Wars? That's or its own
0: like Monica Rambeau movie because or a disney plus show could be what's what i do love about the post credit scene though is for the first time in a while i'm actually like hooked on a story like like the, uh, the, the post credit scene uh scene teases because like all of these are kind of like they're kind of like nice teasers like change Chi or shang chi kind of like teases you know he's basically in the mcu now but this one it's like there's a real story like if someone actually wants to do a real movie about this like that would actually be a compelling drama like how does monica who still is like you know processing grief because grief does you don't ever get over it, you just kind of learn to live with it now she's mm-hmm. kind of thrown into a world where there's someone that looks like her mom maria um in this universe but it's not her mother in any shape or form um, just looks like her. Like, okay. how do you reconcile that? Like, how do you yeah. work with that?
1: It, well, okay, so you just got my um, brain juices flowing with that. What if it's what if Wanda is projecting like images, like like she's helping her grieve, just like Wanda was grieving. She created, Wanda's dead like, in her, this universe. She's not dead. She's not dead. Didn't see a body.
0: You didn't see a body in Multiverse of Madness. Do you think Wanda would really just be like trying to fuck with people like this? Wait, you wait, never wait, wait, know.
2: wait. You never know. <laughs> wait, Marley's on to something. Marley's on to something. Do you know what movie that Wanda Maximoff was in? Multiverse of Madness. Days of Future Past.
0: <laughs> wait, how? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just
1: I, I I I don't know. I'm just oh. thinking that's a possibility. I'm thinking that's a possibility. Oh, throwing sh- it out there.
2: Oh, Marley,
1: Smart <laughs> I just want to see my girl back, Wanda. That's all I want
2: to see. I just want to see my girl I'm, I'm B- Wanda back. My friends, because this is a this is a, I didn't even think about this because doing something. Because one of the things that. I wanted, and a lot of people wanted from WandaVision, was that she would be revealed as Magneto's daughter. Now, that couldn't work for the story they were trying to tell in WandaVision because her parents were just, um, um, you know, like they were just Sokovian people. But in the comics, it's a little bit different because she doesn't realize that her parents, like her father is Magneto, and she was raised by well it's a little bit complicated like she's raised by this like bull creature but then she's raised by other people um humans and and (laughs) then she finds out she's raised as her father's Magneto so in this in this like timeline because this is the Fox X-Men universe we could have a situation where she is now old enough to be Elizabeth Olsen and to be the Wanda Maximoff, I mean, they could... I mean, if they are moving away from Kang, like, what if it's... What if it's, like, another version of... Like, a variant of Wanda in this Fox X-Men universe that that they have to fight against, and the only way that they can stop that version of Wanda is to bring back the version of Wanda from... The, MC, the, the MCU we know, and maybe like she can help that other Wanda from becoming, you know, a villainous. This
0: podcast is going insane. Yes, yeah. it
1: is. <laughs> Thanks to me. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just ex- exploded your brain. <laughs> um...
2: I just, I don't, think, I don't think she's projecting a vision. Um, I think that she actually saw her mother, though. Mm-hmm. To Hale's point, they have to be careful with this because they had a very similar storyline in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 with Gamora. And Mm -hmm. this will, instead of it being like a lost love, this is a lost parent. parent. So you do have a difference there. But I'm intrigued to see where they go with this because how do you deal with um, that side of the equation and then... Like, where does that fit? Because one of you guys suggested a Monica Rambeau movie or TV series. I just, I don't know where you could put Monica when she's still, like, in my eyes, she isn't, like, a main Avengers character right now. She is, like, I would say, like, the main Avengers right now are um, Sam Wilson as Captain America, um, Shang-Chi, Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, and I would say... um, Kamala Khan?
0: Well, Kamala Khan is now Young Avengers. Cause yeah, oh yeah, there okay. we
2: forgot. Like she ends
0: it. We end this movie assembling the Young Avengers, which she's basically playing Nick
1: Fury at this point. Which I thought was totally cute and adorable. Where oh, she's, she she comes in with the tablet and just like in the shadows, just like Nick Fury. It's just like th- this is the thing that I love most about like the Marvel. She's just channeling like her, like her inner um, fandom. Her, her inner fandom and her idols she she loves captain marvel she loves nick fury and by the end of this movie she basically i would she doesn't necessarily become but she's basically like she's filling the shoes of nick fury and and carol danvers which is amazing like for someone especially someone like that young will uh to just kind of like to have her go through that experience i
0: love it mm-hmm. and you know she can assemble she mentioned and of course she name drops uh is who's uh, uh ant man's daughter
2: cassie lang cassie
0: I how oh, to, oh yeah okay. she name drops yeah. cassie you know like hey i think ant man has a daughter like let's get you know and i love like how they're kind of setting up like the first three young avengers it's just like a, a women group um I don't know where this but is who's in be.
1: the Young Avengers because uh, that's a series that this is this is where I feel like I'm kind of getting out of touch just because we're introduced in, introducing like different parts of Marvel that I didn't necessarily read. So who's in the Young Avengers?
2: Like? So you have Kate Bishop as Hawk um, as um essentially Hawkeye. you have um, America Chavez, you have that who was introduced in Multiverse of Madness. You have, um, Cassie Lang. You have. Well, this is where it's confusing because, like, there's, um, Scar, which is the son of Hulk, which was introduced. He was introduced. She oh, Hulk with that haircut. Oh, um, God. <laughs> but one of the characters in this group is. Iron Lad, Mm -hmm. and this is Nathaniel Richards. A a variant of Nathaniel Richards. Nathaniel Richards is um... Reed and and Susan? No. Like, he's like a descendant of them. You might know Nathaniel Richards by another name, and that is Kang. So this is where it gets interesting because <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> in in the young avengers there is a young version of kang if they want to continue kang they don't even, you know, need Jonathan Majors, they could just get a young actor to play that role now. Um so I don't know how that works cuz that person wasn't, you know, established at least that character hasn't been established yet. But there's also Eli Bradley, he was from Falcon Winter Soldier. He, Isaiah Bradley, the um the guy that was um, you know, the original super soldier, but he was then the
0: black Captain America.
2: They yeah, um and essentially like the Tuskegee experiments and they, they put that in the show. But we're talking about um his grandson um who would be like I think he's like a Patriot or something, one of his names. And who was the other one? There's like a couple more, but um, yeah, like I think we're starting to build towards this team. Um, I don't know where it'll be though. Like, will it be a TV series? I mean, part of me feels like it could be like a pseudo Miss Marvel season two, where it's kind of like the Defenders on Netflix,
0: I was, and, I was trying to do a wave while you were doing your phone thing. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry.
2: <laughs> like, I mean, the Defenders on Netflix, you know, you had them all team up, so maybe they really might do Young Avengers um, series, or they could, I mean, if I mean, they could make a movie, I guess. Like, that, that could be a thing, but I don't know how many people would go out to see that, right? Like, because... These are still characters that are, like they're not, they're not the main Avengers. Well, they are.
1: Well, I, right. I I heard a theory out there. Uh, I forget who brought it up, but they they were saying that. Oh, it was um, uh, Anib from the Slum Nerd's podcast. Uh, they totally believe that um, the, the young Avengers are going to get assembled, and in Secret Wars, they're like they're going to they're going out to go save the the real avengers like that's how Is that that's how they're going
2: to get implemented but see but that's like avengers endgame because that's like one team goes out to save the other
0: mm-hmm. well in so i have a
2: question and cuz i've
0: always been wanting this to happen since spider-man far no way home I know no one knows who Spider-Man is anymore, or knows who Spider-Man is anymore like in like his, they don't know it's Peter Parker but is it, would it I would love to see like Kate Bishop and these young Avengers kind of team up with Spider-Man because he's still a kid like and I know technically he's part of the Avengers lineup but I would kind of like to see like now that he's out of the Avengers like kind of go to a different team like kind of work with a work within the confines of a different team. I would like to see
1: Kamala Khan just like recruit him and just kind of fangirl out. Yeah, or, just like having him. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see that interaction. And then Tom Hall. Well, if Tom Holland is even in like these movies, like that doesn't hasn't he showed disinterest in returning or something like that?
0: I, I think he just wanted a big break. I think he wanted. Okay. Well, a he wanted a break so he could do a Fred Astaire movie, which I don't know if that's still happening. And, mm. uh, but the thing was, but that was his kind of big thing. at the after No Way Home was like because he had just done like I mean, six appearances as Spider Man in the span of like what five five and a half years. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know that kind of takes up and like his career's kind of. I don't want to say he's not a movie star, but he's very much like this, you know, he's kind of like in this weird in-between of like, he can get stuff made, but, like, he's still very much typecasted as Peter Parker, Spider-Man. We can he's,
1: uh... oh, Go ahead, Kyle. He,
2: well, he, we can see that he is trying to, you know, step out of that, that type of role where, like, we've seen, like, Devil All the Time or... Cherry, or like a number of other projects he's done, he's trying to get out of that like typecast, but it just doesn't seem like it, It's really working. And I think part of it has to do with just the the films that he's a part of because a number of them, the scripts and the direction, like, like they just aren't as strong as I think he should be getting. Because Tom Holland's a great actor, like The Impossible, and um, he's great as Spider Man, so. You want to see him excel, but I think it also like with the MCU, a lot of these actors have had a lot of trouble um, stepping out of those roles and you know going into something else.
0: That's why for me, it's like I don't begrudge like like we're in this kind of period. I know it's looking like Petra Pascal is pretty much going to be our Reed Richards as of this recording. Um, I know. I think it's still. I think it's still in talks. I don't know if it's official. It's, it's ba- he's basically going to be Reed Richards. Okay,
1: a hundred percent. It's about nine. It's about ninety-five percent, close uh, to a done deal.
0: Right, but we'll kind of just use it. As, I think the part of the reason they've had such a trouble assembling that is, you know, yes, there's the SAG strike, so you can't really cast people during that, but. <clears throat> you know but i think part of their issue has been because they've been trying to get like people like adam driver to come in and do like do the part and i think even matt Shangman had like an original like like roster he wanted to like go after in all those past and i think part of the reason is because all these actors are looking at marvel and looking at how that's supposed to you know build or you know if it's going to do anything for their career like you know and it's really not like you're basically you to be, and you
1: especially after the way the marvels performed you can't really say that hey i'm just going to do this to set up my retirement fund to be like cuz it's going to make like a billion dollars cuz that's not the case anymore you can't really sign on to a project and know that it's going to be an instant success just because of the way marvel the track record for marvel like so far
0: yeah you can get a nice fancy paycheck and just stand in a room for you know 14 weeks and recite lines i don't know if it's that easy but i don't want to say it's that easy but it's but you know i but there's nothing to be like i don't know if there's anything to be gained or lost by being in a marvel movie other than yeah. if it becomes like a massive thing, you kind of have the problem like Tom Holland has, or even Brie Larson to an extent is like she's only done these movies like since she's been cast. Like she's did one movie with her with uh, the Sh- uh, Shang Chi director. Um, uh, uh short term twelve. Not 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 that not just that one. Just Mercy. Um, she did that yeah. one, and that's she's basically- in fast ten oh yeah I forgot um <laughs> well she's barely in that movie <laughs> let's be real marley <laughs> let's be real <laughs> kyle looks like he's depressed <laughs> um but like but you know, you know what i mean like like there's not like all these great actors that are like winning oscars or getting oscar nominations or turning in like incredible work they're all kind of just like yeah, like, I mean, Oscar Isaac is in a Marvel TV show and no one is talking about it. <laughs> no one. Well,
1: I think it's, uh, like, we talk about, like, Marvel fatigue on, uh, the audience side, but I feel like there's also fatigue on, like, the creative side as well, where it's like, it's like these, these actors are, they don't want to be playing, wear, wearing these tights for, for, uh, however many years that kevin feige says that you need to be this character so they would rather go work on like an a24 project or uh star in a tv series where they can kind of like morph
0: and evolve yeah or interesting or newer franchise like dune or Mm -hmm. because i mean that's kind of been like the timothy chalamet thing that's been kind of like you know um paul mescal he's doing gladiator instead of marvel you know i mean like i'm not saying these guys will never be in a marvel movie but but it's very interesting that they've broke broken out and most recently they've been just like picking everything else but uh, the superhero stuff
2: well didn't remember um timothy chalamet told that story of like leonardo dicaprio walking up to him at a party one day and being like he grabs him Grabs him um, and whispers in his ear, never make a superhero movie with <laughs> someone like that.
0: Yeah, and he hasn't done it. And I mean, you can say Dune is like a franchise movie, but it's not a superhero movie. So. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Okay, I think. Wonka. What Wonka.
2: Wonka's. Marvel Cinematic Universe.
0: But I get Wonka, though. I mean, I get it. It's Paul King. Everyone has. Everyone looks like they're having fun in a Paul King movie, so why not? Do we need it, though? No. Oh, no, definitely not. (laughs) Definitely. I would have loved, you know, Paul King to do a Paddington 3 or, like, another nice movie. But you know what? I mean, I'm... But I'm showing up to Wonka for Paul King, so...
1: Paul King was like, screw Paddington 3, I'm just gonna... introduced the twinkification of Willy Wonka.
0: <laughs> Damn it, Molly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> of Hugh Grant. <laughs> or the now now the internet if Tumblr was still a thing Tumblr would be all over Hugh Grant as being an Oopa Loopa. Really? Are, are you sure about
1: that? Because... Uh, uh... Look, Hugh Grant I know I said Kelsey Grammer is a bad person, but Hugh Grant he's um he's not the pretty penny.
0: Look, I've seen Saltburn and <laughs> I'm convinced there are some super freaks out there. Oh, I want to see Saltburn really bad. Oh, but just stick around, I've I I already had to indoctrinate and help Kyle prepare for this movie. Okay. okay. But we'll, we'll see if it's playing. We'll, we'll talk about Saltburn in a couple weeks. Um Because I I, I really do want to talk about that movie on this show. Okay, so is there anything else on the Marvels? We've been kind of like just talking about everything.
2: Can I talk about how underwhelming the score of this movie was? Because it's better than
0: the last score
2: of Captain Marvel?
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, I disagree. I disagree.
0: Uh, I. I, Go ahead, but go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: I like Pinar. Topak's score for the first Captain Marvel, but I I like it because there's a theme, like, there's a Captain Marvel theme in that movie that is then carried on into Endgame, and it's not in this film. (laughs) Um, I'm a sucker when it comes to, like, character themes, and I believe that they should be carried on over throughout the movies, even if you get a new composer, um, you still carry on their theme and you can build upon it maybe, but find a way to still continue that character theme. And I think one of the problems with the MCU has been the fact that a number of these heroes, their scores have been um, done by different composers. Iron Man 1, has three, like, Iron Man as a character has, like, three different composers to him in every movie. Every Iron Man film was composed by a different um, person. In the first one, it was Ramin Javadi, in the second one was John Debney, and in the third one, it was Brian Tyler. Um, Thor has four composers, different composers. However, I will say that I love that in Ragnarok they brought over his um, Patrick Doyle score from the first film. Um, but here, Laura Cartman, who came on to score the Marvels, she actually did Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. And I thought the score of Miss Marvel was really good. Mm-hmm. The weird thing is, Miss Marvel's theme is barely present in this film. Um, I believe it's heard, at least an element of it is heard, like for five seconds when she gets both bangles. And. That's about it. So, I wonder if it maybe was, since the movie had this mess pro- messy production, maybe they rushed it, that they didn't give this composer um, enough time. I mean, time they were in to...
0: post-production for two years. I
2: don't know how they you can rush that. I don't know. Like, it's, it's odd to me, because I just, I don't really find the score memorable. I don't think that it really is... Um, like uh, for me, the memorable moments are when it's not the score but the songs that are used. Like um, Marley brought up that great opening sequence with um, the, you know, switching and them fighting in the house and them fighting in space and the needle um, drops. The fl- you mean? The yeah, um, the, one of the needle the needle drop for that scene is like Ratata, I think by Skrillex, and. Then there's, of course, Memory um, and Intergalactic, which is used in the trailers. But yeah, like I think that the score for me was very underwhelming, especially that they didn't use the themes of these characters from the other movies and shows. So I felt like as a fan of those characters, I felt like it was a little bit like I was disassociated from them because the themes weren't used.
1: I think in general the score in uh, the scores for Marvel kind of feel like an afterthought especially now like the just the way they're producing movies uh, hopefully that will change cuz they're slowing down on like the amount of movies and shows that they're put, uh-huh. pushing out but I, I wonder if that had something to do with it where they're working on multiple projects at the same time and it's just they like you said they rushed it so I think
2: Quantumania had actually as much as it, you know, gets a lot of flack, I did think the score was pretty good in Mania. Christopher Beck actually is, like, a good composer
0: for, like, the Marvel Universe. Like, he did the Wanda... He did WandaVision vision mm-hmm. all the Ant-Man movies. Um, he did Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Like, he's actually a real... And that's why I wonder, like, when he'll actually be, like, a composer, like, take the reins for Alan Slevdry. Avengers yeah. because it's like he really has been kind of like this go to composer along with Michael Giacchino. Um, like I just kind of been wondering like when he'll take in, he didn't do any movie. Oh, well, he did Quantumania, but he no one is really listed as like the composer for a lot of these upcoming Marvel movies as far as I can tell. Um, Not dead. sorry,
2: I think they usually get them later in the game though because. I remember Black Widow was really interesting. Alexander Desplat was supposed to do the score for Black Widow and they literally announced him about a month before the you f- know yeah, about a month or so before the film was pulled from its release date and then about a month after that they announced that Lauren Balf was replacing him. So like I don't know how you know, close that was, but that was a pretty late um, stage in post production that they changed the composer. They re-recorded
0: so- the score during COVID.
2: Yeah, which is crazy. It makes me wonder what would have happened if um, COVID didn't happen. Did they would they have gone with, you know, uh, the other score? Or would they have maybe? I
0: think. I mean, I think that it would just still been Lord Balf. Buff- Balfi's score it was just like because I think he just kind of did it within like a few weeks Mm. because I think because I think they what I heard was when they announced it they had finished the score anyway like they had finished the score for Black Widow when for Lauren Lauren Balfi's version when because it wasn't like they replaced him and then went to do the score it was like when they announced it it was very much like no he's now the composer because black widow's production kind of was kind of weird where they kept details like that where we didn't even know who the cinematographer was until like two months before the movie was gonna come out so it was kind of like this so there was a lot of like weird things happen a lot of weird like they were just kind of keeping it private for no reason um by the way uh rob simonson right now is the composer for deadpool 3
2: what has he done
0: uh he's done he's done a lot of like ya stuff so he did like love simon he's done i think the fault in our stars um he just did the whale uh so he's been jumping around sorry what was that marley i just said interesting
2: just commenting
0: oh yeah no and then i think he worked on stranger things
2: like season
0: four like he worked
2: oh Yes. So that that's cuz he's tied into Sean Levy that way.
0: Yeah. Uh so he's been and actually Sean Levy kind of just brought his whole free guy production. <laughs> he basically brought his, all of his guys from free guy cuz he's got George Richmond who worked on free guy. Um like they kind of just brought everybody over <laughs> it looks like.
2: Yeah.
1: Um that's what filmmakers do. They like they like working with people that they trust.
0: oh yeah no 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 that's no and that's that's not a big thing it's just like it's very nice to see like a filmmaker actually in the marvel universe actually just bring people in rather than just (laughs) like keep working with like use the people that they hire or they keep hiring Mm -hmm. yeah um there is no composer yet for captain america 4 and then uh thunderbolts doesn't well thunder none of these have a shot yet that's the only thing thunderbolts I don't think has a composer. Yeah,
1: we don't even get Captain America till twenty fifteen two years, twenty twenty five, or twenty twenty five. Excuse would, me,
0: twenty fifteen. I'm like, what? We had him already. <laughs> we go back and <laughs> we have to go back in time go back to see in it. time Yeah, Kevin Feige did that. He hate. They hated the movie so much they send it back in time. They no, hate that's it. a David Zaslav
1: move. Oh God! Oh, in um, the podcast Mar- fail. <laughs> I want to ask what, Marley what do
2: you think of the villain of the Marvels. Sam? Uh,
1: it. I thought it was totally un, un- unmemorable. I didn't uh, like very weak villain, and just yeah. I uh, um th- see so yeah, this. I, I I stated this already. I loved like all three women like like together, yeah. and then kind of like interacting. Everything else. Like, in, in the Marvels, I didn't necessarily, like, care for, to be honest. Like, I wanted more I wanted more of Carol, uh, Monica, and, and Kamala just interacting with each other. And I felt like we got a lot of that in the first two acts. Third act, like, when we started introducing, like, this villain, I, I, I kind of wanted to know, I, I, I wanted a reason why I should care. And that's kind of, I've had this problem pretty much for pretty much most of the marvel uh marvel shows and movies uh ever since endgame um so i've had but like that's not a bad thing like a lot of these movies are very self-contained and kind of like want you to experience experience them i just i don't know i first for for, i i definitely had that feeling
2: i saw a a critique go around that in a way this film felt like a sequel to a Captain Marvel movie that never happened. So like, mm-hmm. um, which is exactly kind of,
0: how I felt for far from home. It's a spider. That's a Spider-Man sequel right. to a seat
2: movie. We, we never saw uh, like, especially how like home ends with Aunt May being like, what the, f-? and then cuts. And then we don't really see mm-hmm. her deal. With that. But I agree. Like, I think for me, Like They could have also had a whole movie where Captain Marvel went to deal with the aftermath of Hala. Maybe she could have also helped the Skrulls, and um, they could have dealt with that. And then this could have been like Captain Marvel 3, where then she teams up with um, Kamala and Monica. But I will say that I think the beginning of this film should have been different. And I think that it should have began with her coming to Hala, and it should have gone... Um, with, like, Darben's point of view. Kind of like what they did with... Well, kind of like what they did with Black Panther, how it, like, begins with Killmonger in that, like, basketball court. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have been cool to see, like, Darben, you know, just having a normal day in Halle like, having a whole bunch of friends she hangs out with, being like, ah, oh, it's really cool here. I wonder what the Supreme Intelligence is going to be doing today, what what I'm going to learn And then, boom, you know, someone comes out of nowhere, the Annihilator, and she destroys everything. And I think that would have been a really interesting beginning for this film, and it would have given her character, I think, more to chew on, because when she tells us what happens, like, I don't feel the effect of that. Like, I don't really... Like, I think the best MC villains are the ones that you can really sympathize with and kind of understand where they're coming from. And with her here... I just, like, I could feel indifferent about her. Like, I didn't really feel like, especially the way it ends, like, she's like, there's nothing to this character by the end of it. Like, she's just destroying herself and, um, like, that's something that I remember when I watched, like, even the first Thor with Loki and he's like, you see him hanging on to um Thor and Odin and Um, being like, have I made you proud, father, or something like this? I only ever wanted to make you proud, and then he falls away, and it's like, ah, you feel for this, you really feel for this character, but I just, when Darben dies, I'm like, wait, what? That's her death? Like, it doesn't feel like- She just disintegrates. Exactly. Like, it doesn't feel like a death that was a- one that was worthy of the character. Cause I think they were trying to make her very much like Ronan, the accuser from guardians of the galaxy where like what she wants for her people and her ambition ends up being the cause of her death. But with a film with so many rich female characters like Carol, like Monica, like Kamala, I think I would have appreciated if like Darben had just as much depth as those characters did.
1: Mm-hmm definitely uh, she she definitely felt like an afterthought like for for whoever wrote wrote this film and it did like this this is kind of like i feel like the first i think i I think i said this like earlier in the podcast but i'll say it again now if i didn't Uh, like the first two acts definitely feel like a nia da costa uh film and then like we we've heard multiple rumors and stories about how marvel kind of like took control of this project like uh, and and Nia DaCosta basically went to go work on like other projects, and th- there was just kind of a shock for her, and uh, you can definitely feel that like in the third act, and it definitely felt like some studio meddling of them like trying to re retell like the story because like that first action scene sequence that I mentioned like that happened uh happened like towards the beginning of the movie. You don't really get like another action sequence like that, like later in the film. Like, it it feels like two different movies happening at the same time. And that was very disjointed for me. So,
0: right. And for me, well, everything about Nia DaCosta, I really do kind of feel for her because everything that happened in the Marvels, like, this was supposed to be like a quick, like, well, I don't want to say quick. It was a two year project that didn't but this was meant to be like a nice like step up for her like this is her big moment you know and you know she's a young young filmmaker so this is like a huge deal that you know someone of our generation actually gets to make one of these movies like at this moment and it's been like you know and then it turns into like a four-year process of just Mm -hmm. like you know we're going slow because we got to get the visual effects right and the visual effects in this movie i would argue look the best they've looked in a long time yeah they look pretty good yeah like this is actually good vfx work and the problem but and i do feel for her so much in that like you know this took a long time she kept delaying her movie and then she finally in the summer she finally just was like Look, I'll just finish it remotely. You know, I, this was supposed to be, we were supposed to be done, you know, a year ago. Um, yeah. So, like, I feel, and now, you know, that it's come out, like, everyone is just like poo pooing, you know, her doing, you know, working on another movie while trying to make this movie. And it's like, the movie's been, like, it's, it, it, it's, they have all these producers that can finish the movie for her, even if she did walk away first ad
1: second ad yeah that could, that could that could finish as well and that like people need to realize like stuff like th- that happens like multiple times like on exactly especially big movies like this where it's like it, it especially movies that are cg heavy like like uh, like like uh like the marvels like usually like like the the director is really just there for shooting and then after that they're like oh we'll call you so yeah. it's like yeah yeah, it's but yeah, I had a, I I I like the Marvels. I, I think I'm definitely going, especially after having this conversation with uh, with you guys. I'm going to probably see it again. Like,
2: I think well, well for me, as I said, I think before you came on, Marley, like I was saying, how like for me, the second viewing of the film is where like I think I had more fun with it because you're talking about you like I noticed that the movie when it's when it's, a, when it's really good, it is really good. Like, that opening action sequence, um, the relationship between the Wii's women, like, the even the singing planet, um, you really can feel like you're having a, a blast. And I think that that is where this film will be looked at maybe more fondly than some of the other MCU films lately, like Mania, because... You're talking about a movie that I think what it sets out to do, it does accomplish in being a film where you're going on this journey with these three women and you are, um, just, you know, having a a ton of fun doing so. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that it has, I think the costume design is really good in this. Like I really love all the costumes that they're wearing. Um, and I, I, I think that it also makes like if you hadn't watched the shows, I still think you'll have fun and not be confused. Like I don't think that there's a moment in the sh- in the film where it's like, wait, what happened there? Like they they explain how these characters got their powers, where they're from, um, and I think I think maybe the unfortunate thing is the i. Ide- People knowing that there's a TV show to watch might make them say, wait, did I miss something? But I think the film does a pretty good job at recapping what goes on and doesn't do it in a way that I think takes away from the film. It's just like some of these characters are learning for the first time. Hey, Monica, I knew you as a little girl. How did you get these powers? Oh, yeah, I was in a witch hex. Okay, Um, Kamala, who are you? Where are you from? Like, oh, my... Grandmother mailed me this thing, and now I have these powers. So, like,
1: like the movie does a good job with that. But also, like, what I love too is like, especially at the beginning of this movie, they call back to the style of Miss Marvel by going uh, by doing yes. that in an- animation. Beautiful animation, by oh way, yeah, of, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys mentioned that before. I hopped on, but uh, I like that they called back to to the style, like, of the
2: shows as well. Yeah. These characters feel very much like, like, I'm never watching this film and saying to myself, this character is not like the one I remembered from the last movie or show. Like, Mm -hmm. even Nick Fury, I understand, like, he's a different Nick Fury from, you know, Like, Phase 1 and 2. Good, yeah. Phase 1 and 2. But I will say, and this is, this is, I think, what they were getting at, There is, like, a character arc for Secret Invasion, and it goes from Nick Fury being very depressed, very paranoid, and then at the end, he's much more laid back, and he's finally willing to accept um, life itself, and I think that here, we're seeing that Nick Fury being way more laid back and more carefree, so I do see more of a progression and character development there than it was before um so I, I it works for me like i'm never watching this movie and going like that's nothing like the character i remember mm.
0: for me it's the the whole thing is i understand like people feeling like it's homework because it is you know 15 episodes of television they would have to watch but i also understand that yeah, but I, I also understand, like, the movie does enough, a fine enough job, you know, to basically inform you who they are. I, I always just kind of wonder if, like, we're just reaching the point now where the MCO's kind of, MCO's kind of in a place now where it's, they can't go back, because now everyone going forward is going to feel like, you know, is this homework, you know, are we going to have to do, you know... Yeah like who which movie are we going to have to watch which show are we going to have to watch to figure out like you know who's who uh, to be fair if people have I'm not sure if people know
1: about this but that are listening but you can go on Disney Plus and there's always a recap before a new movie or show like drops and uh, they'll basically say like i i think there's actually like like little short films that they'll that they basically uh we'll wrap everything up. The Marvel
0: (gasps) Exactly.
2: Exactly. But then again, if we get to Secret Wars and, you know, we have X-Men, we have Daredevil, we have Spider-Man, we have Hulk, we we have all these characters from all these other movies. Like, literally, I feel like Secret (laughs) Wars may very well be a film that you have to watch like 70 films or something of that sort to catch up on. It's like,
0: oh my gosh. Can we just have uh can we just have someone do a recap? Like uh can we uh who who's the guy at Ant Man uh the Ant Man franchise? Louise. Can we have Louise do like can can we have Louise do one more summation? <laughs> That's the thing that Ant Man. Well, no, awesome. no, Kale. It's
1: time for your retrospective series on the, the entire MCU and the five. universe <laughs> and the Sony universe.
2: Oh my God!
1: Could oh. you imagine doing an entire retrospective starting with Phase One, leading up to Secret Wars? It will King take Dynasty? me like two years to do. <laughs> well, you probably yes. won't get. You probably won't get Secret Wars or Kang
0: Dynasty for two years. <laughs> <laughs> that is true we're not even gonna get we're i have plenty of time i have just not enough time now let's do it all right everybody let's do it we got it we got two and a half years to do this that's plenty of time to do it weekly let's go <laughs> oh god no no we are not going to this is uh we're not announcing a retrospective at this moment um, yes no we are not that's <laughs> an mcu um, or any Marvel-related retrospective right now that that will not happen. Marley, calm down. We can't excite the children too much. Um. Okay, so all right, are we done with the Marvels? We've talked. This podcast is now longer than the actual movie. <laughs> um.
1: Well, we did spend most of the time talking about uh, other movies
0: in the MCU, so. <laughs> just the mcu review Ooh,
1: that's, this, what, that's what
0: this this is uh you know here's where we're at <laughs> in the mcu here's how we're yes. feeling um all right but seriously uh do we have any more thoughts we got it right this movie's fine
1: yeah i gave it three and a half out of five uh on letterbox i think this i, I think this movie got overhated for all the wrong reasons and disgusting reasons uh and mm-hmm. uh yeah, uh, I'm definitely gonna i'm 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 gonna rewatch again. Yeah, especially I, in theaters.
0: Yeah, I get this is an all male podcast for a, for an uh, all women starring podcast all women <laughs> starring movie. Um, Why did you have to mention that? Because I feel like I have to address it. <laughs> like I understand, like this is my this is my complete fuck up. Um, but um. <laughs> but uh i do promise that you know if you are one of those people that have disgusting sexist racist um any other isms i can throw in nazism or not i don't know if you hate this movie for the wrong reasons then you're you're looking kick at rocks yeah kick rocks go touch grass <laughs> um go smoke grass i guess i don't know um no don't go smoke grass Fine. that's only
1: for cool people oh yeah that's right
0: <laughs> go smoke no go smoke well i don't want to condone smoking actual yeah don't, grass. don't just just go kick rocks touch grass um uh, go go feel the sunlight i know it's november but go feel the nice sunshine
1: <laughs> before 4 30
0: yeah or well if you're in florida like kyle is it's pretty much you know sunny all the time right ain't that right kyle well
2: not, not the last two days. The last two days has been some of the worst rainstorms I've seen. And hopefully it gets better tomorrow. Well, but. if you're
0: in Florida, just go touch rain. Just go feel <laughs> that cold rain on yourself. Mm-hmm. <gasps> go feel like Drew Barrymore. <laughs> awesome okay all right
2: okay kyle 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 uh where can the good people find you you can find me on my youtube channel kyle arking and you can find me on twitter um my account is at arking kyle that's capital a r k i n g capital k y l e and marley (laughs) (laughs) what's so funny
0: I don't even know anymore. I'm just t- I don't know,
1: okay. Marley. Uh, yeah, huh? No, go. Just go. I'm, there's go a- go go. What? You want me to go?
0: I can leave. No, uh, go. <laughs> no, promote your show in your oh, Twitter. I mean, on Instagram. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean Instagram.
1: If people enjoyed me hijacking this podcast for. I don't know, nine ninety minutes or so since I since I jumped on or something like that. It's about an hour. Um, then the people would also enjoy me uh, talking about movies on Threads. I'm on social media at Marley Loves Film, and on YouTube, Marley Loves Film. I'm talking about movies over there. But if you don't like any of that, you probably will listen like listening to the Real Lovers Podcast, where we're covering all of the movies in the of box top two fifty. And uh, yeah. Um, Follow me on all the social medias at Marley Loves Film, and uh, listen to my podcast, The Real Lovers Podcast. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Kale, for allowing me to hijack. So, I mean, I gave you the link anyway, so <laughs> it wasn't really... It's like a, it, it's like an invite to hijack. Yeah. Self-inflicted hijacking. <laughs> yeah, let's be real here. Um, <laughs> it was like a planned hijack. It's like an insurance scam. Anyway, um, so if you want to hear more, you know, interesting unhinged podcasts, um, just like this, um, please check out um, a, my Twitter movie kale, where you can get all the information on the next unhinged podcast. It probably will just be hunger games to be real. Um, And then you can, and if you can't wait for the next like thing for me to review, um, I just did a whole Michael Mann series uh, retrospectives where i went through the entire michael mann filmography up to black hat of course you know we'll do bla- ferrari you know in christmas um so i so please check that out i will leave a jesus uh i will leave a link in the description below <laughs> um s- sorry for that loud pop <laughs> um and um thanks everyone we'll be we'll be back with you next week for the hunger games
2: Targeting every planet we call home. I would never choose to bring anybody into this. You are not the only thing standing between this and the universe. Oh my god, we're a team. Higher. Further. Faster. Can you- I got it.